of Yahweh, again, giving me the opportunity to share your truth, knowledge, and your wisdom, Father, to be a conduit, to be about your business of sharing your truth. A confession of my belief in your truth, Father God, to share what I know to be true, what I believe to be true, what I've seen to be true, so that any that have an ear can hear these words, but listen to the message that is shared, giving them an opportunity for redemption, for salvation, and not to perish, Father God, to throw them that lifeline, that, that hope in Christ. And so easily done, all they have to do is accept and say they believe, have faith, and desire the Holy Spirit to lead them. But you know, Father, you know it takes little to no time whatsoever. You know these things. You see these things. You know what I share. You know what I'm about. You know it's your truth, Father. Thank you for being with me and spending time with me and teaching me. Oh, Yahweh. Amen, Aman. Yasu Aman. Paraklitos Aman. Wow. Um, <laughs> I get overwhelmed sometimes because it's really powerful to me that that my my Lord, my King, my Creator came and died for me. So I get a little overwhelmed and that he takes time to share and teach with us uh, the Holy Spirit to guide us and teach us. And they did it. He does that for each and every single one of us. And all we have to do is ask. All we have to do is ask. It's so simple. So simple. I remember sometimes with my earthly father, you know, he, and, and his question back to me when I didn't, and I got caught in the middle of something. He says, why didn't you ask? Well, I thought, well, I thought, well, I thought, well, there, there's where I got in trouble. I thought, so I made assumptions about what he would say. And my acquaintances would try to talk me out of asking because they already knew how their father would react. So they tried to convince me that mine was the same. Well, no. And the problem that we have many times is that we have that going on within the church body and that you have those that claim to be Christians, which are really, reality of it is, is if we pay attention and we listen to them and we see what they're about and we try their spirit, their spirit is that of untruth, deceit, and they're showing themselves to be one thing, but they're not acting in accordance with God's precepts, the tenets that we find in the Bible, and according to his truth. These are the label heads and the self-proclaimed because they say one thing, but they do and perform another. And I pray my strength would be more than that to keep me righteous and upright. This is why... This is why I share that scripture and Paul tells us to be circumspect. What does that mean? That means that you walk with your head up and you're paying attention to what's going on around you, but you're not, you don't have a haughty spirit. You're upright and people can look and say, wow, now that's a Christian. Wow, I want to be like that person because he or she is really really Christ-like. They're, they're showing out what Christ and our Lord God put in us to show out. We're reflecting outwardly what we have in our heart. Remember, I share this time and time and time again with you. Man and woman will spit out of their mouth what they have in their heart. So if their heart is deception or anger or agitation with their neighbor, or whatever, they're going to speak it. They will speak it. It will come out, whether it comes out directly to the person or whether they backbite. It comes out. And if you are walking circumspect, upright, bold, courageous in your righteousness, you're not going to be backbiting, rumor-mongering, 
and gossiping about others. Remember, that's why Paul wrote the letter to the church in Corinth anyway, because they had that problem. Rumor mongering, gossiping, backbiting, and they split. And then you had the church in Ephesus. They had issues going on there. Brothers and sisters, it happens. It does indeed. But we have to be bold, courageous, upright, and circumspect so that we are not drawn into that. And that's all that word means, circumspect. I believe I've shared that with you before. And it's a... It's not a really... That you're... There's there's two two definitions for it. Is that you're you're up looking around, you're watching one discreet, which means that you're not like I shared with you when if you're if you're taking a prophetic word to somebody that you're not bouncing across the sanctuary and drawing a lot of attention to yourself to get over there and yo, Bob, Bob, Tom, 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 I gotta talk to you too. I've got God gave me a, a I've got a prophecy for you. And you don't announce that from one side all the way over to the other to draw attention to what you're doing with them or for them and drawing attention to yourself. That you're discreet. Was that discreet? No. So when you walk calmly over there and say, hey, Bob, Tom, how you doing? You shake your hand. So, you know, if you don't mind, I'd like to pray with you and I have something... I really believe in my heart that God's got me something to say to you. And then you make your delivery. And if they don't want to hear it, you don't try to force me. Well, this is the word of God. I've got it for you. It came from God. No, 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 no. Because if it was from God, remember, God is our good, good father. He gave us free will. And if they choose that they don't want to hear it because perhaps they don't believe in prophecy, and that's okay. It is really okay. You don't condemn them, you don't judge them, and you don't try to force it down their throat because that's not the God I know. And you're not acting in a righteous manner. You're trying to elevate yourself. So cut it out and don't do that. And the other thing that if you're circumspect and they see you, remember what I, I shared with you when I, I shared that with you uh, uh, a moment ago, is that they will see you and they'll say, wow, that person is acting the way Christ would have us to act. And that's what we should do. It's a thing called well-considered. If you're acting the way God tells us to act and we are acting in his righteousness and we are being righteous, we will be well-considered for it. And we don't have to brag about it. It will be recognized and that's what we should be doing. And I've shared this a few times with you, that song. They will know we are Christians by our love. We're not running around trying to shove it down people's throat. And this is a thing that came about um, a bunch of years ago. I think I, yeah, I was still in high school and people had issues because you had very persistent door-to-door -door ringers and people, they didn't want to hear things because they had gotten so used to the individuals were actually quite annoying they weren't uh, they weren't following god's directions at all and they were very forceful about sharing and testifying and and giving witness and all that but they were very forceful with it they would actually dodge around when people started trying to walk away they would gum around in front of them and walk backwards and or else try to just get them to stop well that's not how you testify. That's not how you share the word of God. That's not appropriate. You can walk along with them and speak to them and then if they just wave you off or they tell you they don't want to listen, then you be respectful and you let them go on their way. Remember, God 
gave us a free will choice. And when I went to that woman's door, it was really, I mean, I know that the Holy Spirit was intervening and that was good, but he let me know that she needed the prayer. He didn't come out and tell me her name. I didn't know what her name was, but the door, <laughs> the door on their house just screamed Isaiah. It just screamed Isaiah. And what I'm talking about is, is the um, glasswork that was done on the door. It looked like uh, like river, it looked like a stream. And what came to mind immediately was the stream in the desert. And when Isaiah was prophesying and it was like the stream in the desert and there would be blossoms and blooms and the wilderness would be flowered because of the water that came out in the middle of nowhere. Well, I don't know the specifics. She shared a little bit, but just we were doing our, our walk around and um, coming to the door and praying with her. And I, I sort of half explained to why I came and because the door drew me and I complimented the door and was trying to, yeah, I was trying to, to get inroads. And, and um, at first she wasn't sure about what we were doing. And I said, look, if it's okay, I was just brought to you because your door it reminded me of, of Isaiah and the river in the desert. And can we pray with you? Is that okay? It was like a light switch and, and everything changed. She was very receptive. And then she began to share. She shared just a little bit, but there was a dry spell there. There was something going on because her daughter was having difficulty and with... Um, a relationship thing going on and uh, didn't go into depth with that. It was none of my business and I didn't ask. But she shared that. And so she was having difficulty as a grandma because it was involving her grandchild and it was causing her distress. So we prayed with her. It was a good thing. But brothers and sisters, we have to share our love. We don't try to force things down anyone's throat at all. And I'm, I'm going to share with you in my, uh, my devotional reading in the wee or early morning hours, I came across uh, in my devotional. It was, it's a very powerful and profound um, scripture. And I do full well intend to share it with you. Going to do it. Um, we can find this in 1 Corinthians, actually. And I'm going to flip over there if you bear with me a moment. I thought I had it marked. I'm pretty sure I had it marked. I thought I had it marked. But I do. There it is. Oh, I'm so silly sometimes. Thank you for your patience. So, in 1 Corinthians, we find in chapter 118, and I'll clarify this for your edification so we're not going to be confused or understood. So, in 1 Corinthians, actually, I'm going to share from verse 17 and 18. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Let this sink and help you to understand, I pray. So for those that really have no interest, which is what he's talking about, those that 
those that perish because they refuse to go to church. They refuse to hear the word of God. They refuse everything that God offers all the time, everything. So that's what I, I've shared with you before, that there's a difference between dying and perishing. Dying means that you leave this physical plane of existence and perishing means that you are separated eternally from God. And a lot of times people will go right to their very deathbed and they will refuse to hear anything to do with God. They, they refuse to repent. They refuse anything at all. And as far as they're concerned, anything about the Bible is ridiculous and foolish because they're still dealing with their finite minds. And I've told you this countless times, and I'm going to remind you, stop trying to figure it out because you're not going to be able to. And the Bible tells us not to do that because with our mindset, we are going to talk ourselves right out of everything. We will talk ourselves out of being faithful. We will talk ourselves out of the possibility of anything at all other than what we see going on around us. And the devil has now got a stronghold and a victory. And I fight against that. I, I need to be stronger at what I'm doing, but he comes at me pretty hard sometimes. And he's doing that because I'm doing exactly what God wants me to do. And that really angers him. Pardon my vernacular, but that really pisses him off. And that's true. He really gets agitated with the fact that I am sharing and doing my father's business and doing exactly what God has called me to do. And that does not set well with him. So he will send his demons and his minions and they work. They work at doing what they want because they don't want to get kicked across the yard. And I'll share this with you too. Satan's like that old angry uh, mom or dad that come home from work and they're, they're the workaholics. So when they get home, the first thing they do is they kick the cat across the living room, they grab the dog, and they throw it out the back door into the yard. Oh, that's right, we don't have a fence. So it's going to go run in the neighborhood. Eh, so what? And then they start yelling at the kids, get in your room, I don't want to hear it. I had a hard day. I don't want to hear it. You, I don't want to hear from you either. I just need my time. I need my time. You hear that when couples do that all the time. I had a really hard day. I just need some my time. Or I need me time. Oh, wow. How arrogant, disrespectful, and selfish is that? Well, brothers and sisters, it is. But those individuals are the ones who declare they don't want to hear anything about the Bible. They don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear anything about God. And Satan sends these, he sends his minions and the demons come out. And when they fail, he gets agitated. So his great delight and his great pleasure is to have us confused and worried, dazed, and just not wanting to hear this. So in that very precise scripture, and again, 1 Corinthians 1 and 18, the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us who are saved, it is the power of God. So we believe that Christ did come and was crucified. I believe that he came and was crucified for my sake. He saw me from way out there. And he said, I got to go and die for him. And he did. And brother and sister, let me tell you this about that. Is that he did that for each and every single one of you that confesses, accepts, and believes he saw you from way out there and he came and he died. He saw you specifically and he came and died for you specifically. I know what the scripture says, but remember, we are trying to have a personal relationship with our Lord, our God. And that's what he desires and it's possible to do. And I've shared with you that he is so magnanimous and he is so, his resources never run out so he can walk with me and talk with me and tell me that I am his own. And he would not be lying. And he can do the same thing with my next brother and sister and he would not be lying. He is omniscient, all-knowing, omnipresent, Everywhere, always, all the time. 
omnipotent, all-powerful. And this he shares with us. So, in what I'm sharing with you today, which one are you? Are you the foolish one that doesn't want to hear anything about that Christ came and died for us and that you don't believe that? You might say it, confess it with your mouth openly there, but do you believe it in your heart? And there are individuals that do not. John calls them into account for that. And so which one are you? And, and there are those that believe that trying to speak about the cross are, is foolishness. Why, did, why was there a necessity for anyone to come and die on my behalf? I didn't ask them to. I'm not a sinner. And remember what Christ was sharing with the Pharisees? Even with the knowledge, they still believe themselves not to be sinners and how foolish they were. And they couldn't see it even when he opened their eyes to it. And this is what Christ was doing and spoke a lot of these parabolic lessons to the Pharisees and they, they didn't get it at all. And to many, the idea of a savior is absolutely ludicrous and a fairy tale. And to some, the idea of Christ being our savior and our Lord, they're repulsed by that. And they make a big deal about that. Oh, that's just slavery. Well, no. It just shows you are buried in negativity. And sometimes there will be those that will take, um, they're very, um, there's a lot of animosity toward Christ and, and the church and what we try to teach. And they're probably the most often uh, response that we get is that thing I shared with you the other day. Uh, shrug the shoulders, complacency. Indifference. They could care either way. They don't care. And most of the time, they're just kind of, eh, whatever. And then they walk away. Well, you know, I got something. No, I, it doesn't matter to me. I don't care. And that's the way they are. They choose. They have chosen the lies, the deceits, the wickedness, and the iniquitous behavior of those around them. And they choose that because... That's what they've learned to be comfortable with. Remember I shared with you that, that term, comfortably numb. And in 1979, Pink Floyd sang that. I believe that was, uh, that was from the Wall album. Those of you that are familiar with Pink Floyd. But become comfortably numb. What is that talking about? Well, it could be talking about a couple things. Back in those days, it was talking about drug use because that was pretty prevalent but for me what I what I'm getting at is is the absolute complacency that people they have just become numb to everything that goes on around them they could care less they shrug their shoulders and much of the response is especially with this uh the behavior from government is they shrug their shoulders. oh that's the way it is they know more than we do. They know better than we do. That's why we elected them. That's why we vote for them. No, it's, it's not that. You have jokers, absolute jokers that have been placed in office that lied about their education. They lied about degrees they have. They lie about so many things and they bring that into their office and they continue to do that. And yet everyone says, oh, aren't they wonderful? Aren't they marvelous? Aren't these lies and deceptions, aren't they just beautiful? So they throw the breadcrumbs on the water and here they come to the surface to feed on the lies. And they have no interest in hearing about Christ, any of those things. And they just do their chasing of their pleasure. I've shared this too with you when... Um, 
Uh, I'm growling because I forgot specifically the scripture because Christ talks about it and Noah talks about it. It's it's in two places in the Bible. And because, and remember Christ tells us that it will be as it was in the days of Noah before the return of the son of man, when man will be eating and drinking, carry on being born having weddings and just doing all this stuff and they're just going about life as they see it to be and they're not doing anything important to be anything other than what they are well there's so much more available really i kind of like being an ambassador i like being an heir and a joint heir with christ jesus but here's the thing that all they're interested in is their personal goals, their personal pleasures that they seek after, um, and their family and friends, and they just go out carousing and doing stuff with them all the time, and that's all they do. And totally disregard anything that's taught about Christ and what the impact is on their lives. And that's what Paul's talking about. Those are the people, those are the ones who are perishing. And Jesus talked about that. Noah talked about that. And we find that in the scriptures. I, I, uh, I growled a moment ago because I'm, um, I'm having a little trouble remembering the specific scripture is. And, there, and I've shared with you that Christ Jesus shares it. And also when we read about um, Noah, he's talking about it. Ooh, this is very powerful. The Holy Spirit just brought me here for a reason. Good, thank you. And in speaking to what I just shared with you, I'm going to share this is in um, Luke 21, verse 15. And this has to do not only with when you're getting ready to get tossed into prison and all that other stuff, but this goes without, this is when you're out testifying and you're out sharing the gospel. Settle, therefore, in your hearts not to meditate before on what you're going to answer. Don't feed on that. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay or resist. So they're not going to be able to talk over it. They're not going to be able to dispute it. And you don't have to fret it. Don't. Just pray about it and the Holy Spirit will guide. Well, I do apologize. I thought I had that in my head and, and remembered, and I don't. But Christ Jesus teaches about it. And it's also, if we go back to um, the scripture and, and Genesis, when we're seeing that Noah is building the ark, we find that all around him as he's teaching, that they're just doing whatever they want to do. They're drinking and carousing and partying and getting married and doing all that and they're not paying attention to anything except themselves that's the point that i'm making brothers and sisters they don't care anything about the word of god they don't care about hearing about it and they're just carried about themselves and they care nothing about the very real life-altering power in the cross that Christ came for us and did that very thing that they don't want to hear about it. They don't want to hear about it. But those of us that know, believe, and have faith, we know that he came for that. And we know that there is power, power. And not only the fact that he came and he did that, but power in Christ Jesus himself because he came and he did this for us.
And then there's a couple questions that were at the end of my study that, that came in here. I said, to whom does a cross come with such irresistible force? Think about that. That irresistible force and that power that is witness to those that believe and know it is compelling, it is powerful, and we've seen it. We will be saved, and we're saved now. So again, the question, which one are you? The one that doesn't want to hear about it, the one that doesn't share it, and the one, or are you the one that believes and knows it to be true? So, I'm going to share some scripture. And John is a really, um, John's a powerful writer. He is indeed a powerful writer. So in 2 John, this is a very short letter that he wrote. And I'm going to read it. I'm going to get through it rather quickly. So I just want to give you that, as I've shared with you before, put it on your platter because it's going to be something for you to nosh on as we read or for you to think on a light food for thought. The elder unto the elect lady and her children whom I love in the truth and not only I, but also they that have known the truth. John is talking about the body of Christ, the body of the church. Remember where we're, it's described as the bride. And all those are the body and that there's so many. And he talks that analogy is that we're children. And some of us are younger Christians. So we're not really fully aware of that meaty portion still feeding on the milk toast. Beginning again. The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth. In the truth. And not I only, but also they that have known the truth. So if you know it, you share it, that's it. For the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us and shall be with us forever. Now notice this is also John who talks about trying the spirit. And this is talking about Christ as the person came from God the word of God is the truth the way the life grace be with you mercy and peace from God the father from and from the Lord Jesus Christ the son of the father in truth and love I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth as we have received a commandment from the father and now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, and that we walk after his commandments. And this is the commandment that, as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. For many deceivers are entered into the world, who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we are that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Don't give up. Don't give up. Whosoever transgresseth and, uh, transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you, and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's speed. For he that bideth in him God's speed is partaker of his evil deeds. Having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you and speak face to face, that our joy may be full. The children of thy elect sister greet thee. What John is talking about, he's talking about and warning against the false teachers. 
Well, I don't have time today, but God bless you. You don't do that because then you're asking, you're petitioning God to bless that person in their walk of lies, deceits, and to safeguard them. And they're not even teaching truth. They're lying, deceivers, false testimony and doctrine. So you can bid them a good day, but you don't bid them God bless you. And I've shared with you before is that people try to use God's name and declare a curse on somebody if they don't get their way by using the name of God or Christ. I've had a couple incidents of that happen. Yeah, well, God bless you anyway. And they're in the midst of anger. So they didn't mean it at all. They were trying to make me feel guilty. And then what was the one the other lady? Uh, yeah, well, the blood of Christ on you anyway. Ooh, what was that about? I can't remember, but she was really angry and she wasn't getting her way because I was being honest with her and truthful and and according to the rules, and, and it wasn't anything personally against her, and I just couldn't do it because she was lying. So we have to be guarded, brothers and sisters. That's it, being circumspect. Paying attention, doing it right, being bold, being courageous, and standing upright with a breastplate of righteousness. Don't be aggressive. Don't be angry. And remember, too, I've shared this with you before. The scripture tells us that we can be righteous in our anger. It's okay as a Christian that you can be angry. There's nothing at all in the Bible that says that we can't be. And there are those that believe that we're not supposed to be. Oh, if you're a Christian, everything's got to be, oh, okay, it's okay. No, that's not what the Bible tells us at all. You can be angry, but don't sin in your anger. That means you don't take aggressive attitude towards somebody and try to treat them badly because they've done that to you. Don't do that. Be upright and honest and truthful. So I want to share to you, share with you also, We have individuals that do that sort of thing constantly, and we have to be aware of the deceivers and those that are coming and preaching contrary to the word of God and contrary to Christ believing. So we have to pay attention to things that are going on. We have to be righteous in what we share we have to be righteous in what we are talking about. And if we become angered, then we have to be cautious about that. And we know that these things take place around us, but always in the truth. We're always in the word of God. And the word of God is truth. And I tell you all the time that I share truth. That's all I'm going to tell you. I'm not going to make things up. I'm not going to uh, try to elevate myself to be above it. And when I share these other languages and things with you, it's just a learning exercise. It's not to try to show out or be impressed. It's just to share with you what it comes from. And know that Christ Jesus, that we share, that he is and the scripture tells us that he is our intercessor. He prays for us constantly. Daily he's praying for us. Until that day that he comes back. And that word, that intercessory prayer that we are supposed to also engage in for everyone and be in as the scripture tells us to do. And... I believe that is in 2 Timothy. Oh, goodness gracious. I didn't mark it, and now I've forgotten. 
I'm going to go in there straight away and uh, no, it's in First Timothy. Sorry about that. First Timothy 2, 1. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, all supplication, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men and women. What does that mean? So intercessory prayer comes from a Latin word, intercessorius, which means to intercede, intercessorius, to intercede. Or it's on behalf of someone, especially someone in trouble or difficulty. Do you not think that the world, if you think that white noise interference and Satan is hounding and trying to keep you, then do you not think that these other people with their addictions and things that are going on are troubled and they're having difficulty and they're praying on their behalf? Is that not what we're told to do? Yes, it is. It's exactly what we're told to do. I just shared it with you. Intercessory prayer for all men and women, even the kings and the princes and all those that are practicing their lies and deceits. We pray for them because it is possible for them to repent and ask forgiveness. That all men and women should have that opportunity to repent. That's why I'm about my father's business. What, I'm going to be selfish as take and go? Oh, I got mine. See you later. And there are those individuals that are like that. We don't have to do anything. We win in the end. What's that mean? We win. You're like those armchair quarterbacks and those football players that sit or basketball players, baseball players, whatever. They sit in their armchair and then they scream and holler, you know, and they, they holler across the office space when they're arriving to work. Yeah, we beat them good last week. Were you on the playing field? I don't think I saw you out there. Were you swinging the bat? I don't think so. Were you dunking that basketball? I don't think so. But there's always this wee, 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 running around with a mouse in his pocket or her in her purse. And they claim that same thing now, but they don't get up, they don't testify, they don't share, they don't do much of anything at all, and they're not praying and sharing the word of God. There's specific gospel about them, and John writes about it. So we need to be in an intercessory prayer. And Christ is always acting as our mediator or our advocate, speaking up on our behalf. As our, comes again from the Latin intercedere, to intervene, speaking on our behalf, comes in between it. And remember that our accuser is constantly trying to say, hey, look what they did, look what he did, look what she did. And then when God says, is there someone that will speak on their behalf? And Christ says, I do. The God looks at devil and he says, case dismissed. The devil goes at kicking whatever he can and walking away grumbling and angry. Oh, well. He is our king. He is our advocate. And he came and he died for us. I like that idea. And we have specific scripture where John, again, John, John John's a pretty potent writer. And we find that John talks about this. And in John 17, 3, and this is life eternal that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. So we do that so that they will know, see and recognize this. And John reminds us, too, that there are those that, that are not willing to do this thing. And there are. And we find this, um, we find some things written on this. And 
quite honestly, I find the scripture, I, don't, I hate to pick on the guy, but there isn't much that we find about Thomas, also called Didymus. But in John 20, 24, we see a gentle rebuke. Even, even in that situation, he gives Thomas a gentle rebuke. But now see, Jesus has been in that upper room, closed in before. And he's been there. He's been. But Thomas wasn't there, so Thomas was always trying to figure things out with his own mind. And if he didn't see it, he didn't believe it. Remember, there's we have an old adage, just kind of seeing is believing. And not always so. We're always going to be somebody who's going to try to figure out what a reason that that was real visible. Thomas wasn't there when Christ came to the upper room first. And in John 20, I'm going to start in 23 and read through there, and you're going to see this interaction between Thomas and Christ. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them, and whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. And he just simply told them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger in the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I won't believe. I will not believe. Now, wait a second here, okay? Now, I got some issues with some of these disciples and their actions and some of the things. And Thomas was always that one trying to figure stuff out, you know, and too good for, too, too smart for his own good. I, mean, I guess you, some of you may have heard that phrase before. And after eight days, again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then he said to Thomas, and he knew what Thomas had already said. He wasn't there, but he already knew. Then saith he unto Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God, and Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believe. He knew what Thomas had said. And that was a pretty gentle rebuke, but a rebuke nonetheless. Brothers and sisters, John writes, we find where he talks about the declaration that there are those that will speak about Christ, but they won't talk about him coming in the flesh. Somehow that eludes their thought process. But that we have to know that we have to speak this whole thing. And we need to share that because it's the truth. But they don't want to talk about it. So these are what I've shared with you before. The um, self-proclaimed Christians, the label heads. But they don't want to talk about it. They'll elude to certain things, but they won't talk about the fact that Jesus came in the flesh. They don't want to talk about that. But like John in, the, in his second letter, he's reminding us that we have to do that thing. 
and that we have to know and share what we knew from the beginning. And we have to confess that. And he writes that in, in John, in First uh, John 4, remember where he tells us to try the Spirit, but also, hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But yet there are many that will say that the devil is so powerful, but remember this, the devil is has a pseudonym, and that other name that he carries or that he has is called fear. And I shared the anagram with that, false evidence appearing real, he gets you to believe that he is something that he is not. He is not all-knowing. He is not all-powerful. And he's not always present. Satan also has, that's why he has the minions and the demons working for him that run around and doing all his bidding. Because they get around. And he has them go and then they report back to him because he can't travel like he used to. That heavenly attribute, he doesn't have. And it's good that he doesn't. But he still has the ability to camouflage himself and make things appear to be something that they are not. Brothers and sisters, know in fact and truth. And decide for yourself. And I shared with you that question. Which one are you? Are you the one that believes that Jesus Christ came and died and rose and that you are an heir and a joint heir of the kingdom of God? I mean, that's, I don't, that's powerful for me. I get, I get, Sometimes I just, when I try to speak specifically, like right now, a little kind of blah, 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 babbling. You know, when I'm in the Word and I'm sharing it, I really get going. But then when I'm talking that, I just get very overwhelmed. I mean, that's powerful. This is our heavenly King, our Lord God, our Creator, and it died for us so that we would have that opportunity. That is powerful. How can I not share that? How can I not? And yet... There are those that claim to be, they profess it with their mouth, but they don't act it with their heart. That's pitiful. Brothers and sisters, if you're gonna say it, do it. Don't just talk the talk, walk the walk. Don't just talk the talk, walk the walk. Brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers. Am I going out, am I coming in every day that that you can walk in boldness and righteousness, be upright, be circumspect in the word, be blessed.